Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Talk Off. Today is Friday, August 4th. Happy August. Happy last real month of summer. Oh, happy days. I wanted to let that sink in for a second. Don't say that. I mean, summer doesn't mean anything to me. Seasons don't mean anything to me anymore. No, 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 no. That's bullshit. Okay, not seasons, but summer. Summer doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Yeah, the seasons mean a lot to me because, like, the beginning, I would say the beginning part of the fall is awesome. Like, the first part of fall is awesome. Back half of it is when it gets really cold, sucks weather-wise. Winter just pretty much sucks the entire season, except for, like, a few, like, winter's awesome on Christmas and New Year's. Like, around that time. Those okay. two weeks, it's it's awesome, uh, and then like once it gets to February, February winter really sucks. I think if you are above the age of uh, twenty one, I guess, and you think summer is the best season, I think I hate you. Um, I think it's up, like it's tied between fall and summer because like fall is pretty yeah. sick, but like summer is also summer awesome. Sucks. Summer no, summer's so awesome. Hot. So hot. Yeah, but like. Summer's no summer's the best. I don't know. You're you're crazy for that. Yeah, I'm a big spring guy. I like fall. Spring is like, but like summer, you get to drink outside. You can do that in the spring and the fall. No, you can't. You can't. Yes, do it in you spring. can. You nope. absolutely can. Nope, because you know what? You 100% An essential can. part of drinking outside is being able to have open-toed shoes, and you can't do that in the spring. That's that's extremely false. That's that's so false. No, it's not. There's nothing better than drinking outside and your beer doesn't get warm. Yeah, but then also Am my I wrong? Hand is, Am I wrong? Also, my hand is cold while I'm holding it. No, you're you're bugging. Okay, on bro, this. I'm not. I'm not saying you need to fucking. It needs to be thirty degrees outside. Put like a crisp sixty. Hoo-hoo. No, seventy-five. Se- sunny and seventy-five every day. It's still not not summer though. How is sunny and seventy-five not summer? What is it? Winter. No, summer is fucking 85 with 90% humidity. No, today was great. Today was one of the better days that we've had all summer. Because we're getting closer to fall. I mean, it's August. I mean, we've had some good days in July, too. You're you're bugging for this. You just don't like humidity. That's that's your problem. You don't not don't, like summer. You don't like I, humidity. No, I don't like summer because it's too hot. Does anybody like humidity? Exactly. Well, no, I'm just saying Zach's issue with summer isn't the season; it's the humidity. No, my issue with summer is not that it like I trust me, summer's great. But when you think about all the other seasons, they're less hot, so I like them more. So you're saying summer is the worst season? In my opinion, that's a crazy take. For me, it's fall, spring, winter, summer. What? Yeah, hundred percent. Fall is the best, the best fucking season. If you don't say it's, if you say it's not, you're an idiot. It's tied with summer. Northeast in the fall is like wow. You see, it's some tied. It's tied for me because football. like I love crisp fall mornings. Playoff like, baseball. Fall Saturday mornings when it's like you have that. It has that slight chill in the air. Is awesome, oh, dude. It there's rules. nothing better. There's it nothing rules, better. But, but summer is is definitely it's like one A and one B. Can't go wrong with either of them, but. Summer is definitely better than summer is definitely better than spring. 
No, fuck summer. No, dude, spring is fire. What are you having in spring? I don't have anything against spring, but when you compare it up against summer, I have an issue with spring it. Spring is fucking awesome. Summer is the best season. I in it's not even close. Jake, where do you stand on this? Uh, I probably am a summer. Well, I'm a fall guy, but if between summer and spring, I'm a summer guy. Okay, so you're like a fall one, summer two. Yeah, that's yeah. Maybe and then winter three. Pro- fuck spring, honestly. Yo, stop. Fuck summer. <laughs> I like spring because of March Madness. March Madness, the great Masters. weather. I'm a big weather guy. Yeah. So here's it. So if you're gonna go on vacation. Would you prefer to go somewhere hot or somewhere cold? Kind of depends on what I'm feeling. If I'm going on vacation, if I, like, like I, exactly, I hate sweating. Like, if I'm going on vacation to like go see a new city or something and like do stuff, walk around, then I'd rather go somewhere on the chillier side. But I'm not saying like I want to go to Alaska, but I don't want to go to Miami. But if if I want to go sit on a beach, like I'm fine going to sit on a beach and just like enjoying the heat. I just need to be in the water, or else I get so too hot. So if you had sweat. a body of water around you at all time during the summer, it'd be fine. You'd be uh, a favorite. I season. think so, honestly. <laughs> Again, your problem isn't with the season; it's the humidity. That's what I said. I no, said I'm a big, you were defending. You were. Defending I said I'm a big weather resort. guy. I said I'm a big weather guy. Weather matters. The only thing that matters to me in seasons, honestly, is the weather. And summer has the worst weather, therefore, it's the worst season. Well, the the, the season that's the, the, like the only reason why we break them into seasons is because the weather changes. Yeah, of course. I know. <laughs> so summer's the worst. I'm. I, I. This is not. This is. This is the worst take I've ever heard. But we're gonna hear some worst takes in about. 30 seconds Ow, because fuck, I just uh, stubbed my toe. That's the word. Do you see the video of the guy on TikTok? Uh, he was walking into his house and his ring cam caught him stubbing his toe on like a metal pole outside of his house. And he let out like every curse word under the sun. And it was just him out there. Oh, that fucking hurts so bad. I saw a video on TikTok today of some lady coming home from the hospital on crutches and she trip and, tripped and face planted and went right back to the hospital. Jeez. It was really funny, That's actually. Mean, hospitals suck. We can all agree with that. I've never been to the hospital for myself, knock on wood. All right, so we're doing a little bit of a reverse show today with some time constraints. So we are going to start off the show with picks. So, Zach, do you want to get into some picks? Yeah, let's do it. I don't think we need music, though. It's at the beginning. No, let's... let's we need music. <laughs> By Riverside. Music is the best part of our show. All right, picks for Friday, August fourth. Who would like to go first? Uh, I can. I can go first. Okay. I'm going to go out uh, to the great state of Minnesota. I'm going to take the Twins over the D-backs. D-backs been sliding. 
Twins need some wins. They play at home. They play better at home. Bailey Ober, good pitcher on the mound. Twins. Nice, nice, nice. I am going to go Mariners money line tomorrow night. Mariners money line tomorrow night. They're on the road against the Angels in Anaheim. I think this is their night to to steal game one of this series. I'm taking Seattle. Um, I really want to take something other than the Orioles over right now, but we're going to stick with the Orioles-Mets over nine. A lot of runs, but hopefully David Petersuck can Petersuck. I like that one. Like it. And then we got Sunday Night Baseball this week. This week's Sunday Night Baseball is uh, it's a pretty good one, but could have been a lot better to start the season. Uh, Dodgers-Padres. Sunday Night Baseball. Lance Lynn on the mound for the Dodgers. And that's who I'm going to be taking. I'm going to be taking the Dodgers in this matchup. Newly acquired Lance Lynn. I'm with you. I'm taking the Dodgers too. All right. We're going Padres. <laughs> it had to be done. We couldn't go a clean sweep across the board on a Sunday night pick. That would be yeah, no. fun. Dodgers is a safe pick, but the, the Padres definitely could win. 100%. All right. So those are our uh, our picks. I'm not sure what the standings are for Sunday night, but I don't think – I think – is I'm it a tie for last? I think I'm – Yeah. You guys oh, so this week, last, this week is like someone's going to be someone's going to have solo last after this week. Yep, it's, it's uh, nine and eight. Zach is nine and eight. Me and Dawes are both six and eleven. About five hundred. All right, all right. So we shall see. So this week was one of the more interesting weeks that we've had all season long. The long-awaited trade deadline came and went this past Tuesday at 5 p.m. And there were some shocking moves that a lot of people saw coming and a lot of, honestly, a lot of things that people didn't see coming. One of the bigger moves of the day, Justin Verlander sent back over to the Houston assholes. Mets getting back Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford in this deal, both become the fourth and sixth prospect in the Mets system, respectively. I am excited about this deal. This was honestly, we talked about this after the Scherzer deal. This just seems like the Mets are at this rate buying prospects because we're eating all of these guys' salaries. Both Scherzer and Verlander going to Texas. I saw a funny tweet that said all of our exes live in Texas. Kind of <laughs> makes, sense. Um, makes sense. And then... Throughout the day, uh, it was David Robertson was traded first out of this group, but I'll mention him in there just because we're talking about just trade deadline in general. Robertson obviously went to the Marlins, Mark Canada, the Brewers, Eduardo Escobar a few weeks back to the Angels, Tommy Pham. Who the hell did Tommy Pham go to? Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, right. And uh, Dominic Leone, I think, went to the Angels. Yeah, he did. Uh, so that – so. That's our uh, that's our departure list. Seven guys uh, leaving the team. I you know what was funny was we were looking at the roster last night. Or excuse me, the lineup last night. And despite like one or two spots in the lineup, the lineup is like the exact same, and we still suck. Yeah. But obviously but- the rotation is different. 
McGill will probably slide in. Peterson will slide in. So this this is going to be a, a tough, tough last half of the season for the New York Mets. But we're clearly the thing. The thing I like now is we, we are clearly on a path for. Um, we're, we're we're clearly sticking to a plan now. It didn't feel like we were sticking to a plan earlier in the season. It just seems like we were kind of all over the place and no one knew what was going to happen. I like that in the fact now that like there's no more question marks around what we're doing. Like we sold, we got our guys in the system, develop that talent, reload next year, reload the following off season. And then, I mean, they said we're not punting the 24 season. I don't think the Mets should be that aggressive in spending. I just don't see any purpose in spending in, in a season that we're not going to be that competitive in. I mean, I think we could still be competitive, but it just depends on how, how far that the, the team really thinks we could go. I think I I know we're getting way too ahead here and we still have other trades to talk about but I like the the mindset of building offense and buying pitching. I mean, Urias is up at the end of the year for a, a contract, same with Aaron Nola. I I wouldn't be shocked if we were in play for one of those two guys. I just think that the selling now probably takes us out of Otani just because it doesn't really make sense to, and I don't really think he would want to go through another rebuild, but it like things think crazier things have happened. Like rebuilds in baseball, the people think they could be a long time, but they're not necessarily always that long of a rebuild. Yeah. I mean, it always, it always kind of depends. And, what Steve Cohen is trying to do right now is is uh, like they're, they're not even using the word rebuild. They're a lot of their like the repurpose. They're repurposing yeah. stuff and, and shit like that. Like because they don't want to call it a full rebuild because it's really not. And when you're the Mets and you have Steve Cohen as your as your owner, a rebuild looks a lot different for you because this Mets farm system over the last week has now catapulted up the leaderboards as one of the from one of the worst to, you know, about middle of the pack. And that's really good for them. After having a lot of guys graduate this year, it's good to still have some guys in that farm system. And that's what Steve was able to do. He was able to say, here, take my money. I don't give a fuck about the money. And he got better prospects for guys like Verlander and guys like Scherzer. That was absolutely huge. I think the Mets obviously were in one of the toughest spots of anyone this year because of how much money... Cohen spent in the offseason and the expectations that everyone had for the Mets this year. But I don't think he could have bounced back in any any better way. This was the perfect thing to do. Own up to your mistake. Like a, a lot of owners would have just sat there and been like, well, shit, and and maybe got a comp pick if one of them left and just like been like, fuck. And that's just what would have happened. But the the good thing about having Steve Cohen as your owner is He's okay with just throwing away money and eating contracts so he can sell guys and get good prospects in return, which is what he did. I think the Mets are they're in a good position now in the years to come. I saw a lot of things about like like what are they going to do next year and blah, blah, blah. But I agree with you. I, I think like they could compete next year, but they're not looking to next year. This is I think this is an organization now that's looking to 2025 when some of these guys that they just got come up and they have a good, really solid young core of guys to go on with the, in the future with. I think the goal next year is 
just to have a winning season, just to be over 500 at the end of the year. That's probably exactly. what they're looking for. Yeah, and, and you know, p- teams go through that all the time. That's what the Red Sox were supposed to be this year. They were just like, you know, we're going to stay under the luxury tax. We just want to compete. Yep. Like, like, just have a competitive season, which is what they're doing, and which is why they did nothing at the deadline. They just wanted to compete this season, and that's what they're doing. The Mets are probably going to have a similar scenario next year because they just won't have the pieces to compete. And spending money for no reason to just get good names around guys – is just not the way to go. They have to build, which is what they're doing. And then once those guys come up, then you surround them by buying pitchers, like you said, and veteran guys get in there. And then, you know, 2025, 2026, we'll see what the Mets really have. An interesting thing to note, too, in this in this whole trade situation for the Mets is a lot of people are going to be quick to jump the gun and say, yes, you guys did buy prospects, which I'll admit that's what exactly what Cohen did, but he has the money for it, so why not go out and do that? Cohen, if we held on to Verlander and Scherzer, throughout the next two years, we were owing them around $85 million combined with trading them away. And Steve is, and this is, and this is, I'll figure in the numbers of what Steve is paying to. Steve is going to save the team around I think the number was just over 51 and a half million that they're saving over that 80 million that they were owed over the next two seasons so there's now wiggle room like Steve said and this was something that I appreciated when when he brought this up to his when when he had that conference for fans he said once the player signs a contract I consider that money spent so the 80 million 85 and a half he already considers that spent so whether he spends that that fifty million he saved in twenty four or in twenty five, it's being put towards someone, and I I think that's a, a really good positive thing to to come out of this. Is he he freed up money? Yeah, I mean, look what we've talked about ever since pretty much Steve Cohen bought the Mets is that the Mets Mets fans like as mad as they want to be and 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 as much as they want to curse the universe. They have the best owner in maybe all of sports just because of his passion for the team. This guy just wants to fucking win. And he is the richest of all the MLB owners. So he can spend the most money. He's like, he is the one guy that I feel like fans are like, yeah, I like my owner. I hate all my owners. I guess I like Robert Kraft, but whatever. Like Mets fans have a good owner in place right now. They, he will get this organization back to where it needs to be and, and beyond, because if he can't, then I, I really don't think it can ever be done. Couldn't agree more. I think, uh, Cohen set this team up for a very, very good future at this rate. Now, this is what we should have done two years ago. The one thing I, I appreciated also that he mentioned to the media, yesterday was that he didn't want to get rid of any of these players. He wasn't going to get rid of them just to get rid of them. He found the deal that he wanted and he executed the trades. So I think, excuse me. Ooh, excuse me. You okay. think he puts, think he puts the team in a great direction for the future. And we got some really good prospects. We now have, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to put an exact number, but I think we have like four or five guys now in the top a hundred. And that's what you needed. That's yeah. what the Mets needed. They, 
they needed more guys to fill their farm system because even if they don't come up and are good, those are really good trade pieces that you can use in years to come. When Steve wants to go get that guy that for a, on a long-term deal, if he wants to trade for someone and then re-sign them when the year's over, over, he has prospects to do it now if that's the way he wants to go. If he wants to keep them, he can keep them. If not, he can ditch them in the years to come. But you can't do that if you can't if you don't have them. I, I I really think this deadline has been almost a masterclass by Steve Cohen. I I just I love what he's doing because, like you said, he didn't just sit on them and he didn't just trade them just to trade them. He traded them with a purpose to get guys that he saw that he wanted to boost his system. And you can't really ask for anything more. Yeah, dude, you, you couldn't ask for any more from the deadline. They sold, and now we're now we're kind of ready to go full rebuild. I know I don't I know we don't want to call it rebuild, but I'm going to call it rebuild just because it's it just it sounds it's it's a lot easier just to just to say it's a rebuild. So. So that's that, that's all that happened in in Metland the past few days and now the second half of the season is probably going to be one of the worst second halves we've seen in a long long time. Yeah, it's going that's it's going to be brutal to watch. It's going to be brutal. But hey, we will we will continue to support the team and get ready for next year. It's all you can do. All you can do. Zach, remind me of some other uh trades that went down. I know um Let's see here. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went over a bunch of them the other day, but but just like on deadline day. Oh, Phillies, Michael Lorenzen, that was a big one. Yeah, that's actually the one I was just going to talk about. Phillies getting Michael Lorenzen. It's honestly like it was one of the weirdest ones of the day. Uh, outside of the the Marlins and the White Sox trade for Jake Berger, this was the weirdest trade of the day because – the Phillies didn't really need starting pitching. Like I know, like they have Nola and they have Wheeler and Taiwan Walker and they have Ranger Suarez, who's like Ranger Suarez hasn't been pitching that great. Aaron Nola hasn't been pitching Aaron Nola esque, and Taiwan Walker is whatever. But did they really need Michael Lorenzen? Like, like not really. I feel like this was more of a Dave Dombrowski sitting in his office. He's like, oh, I want to get on the action. Everybody's making a move and. He was just like, uh, okay, Michael Lorenzen, because that just seems what it's like. I feel like they just they didn't need another starter, but they got another starter. So they got another starter. Now. Yeah, and this is, this will hopefully pick up the slack that Nola has uh, left along and some of the other guys you previously mentioned because Lorenzen has been great all year. Three five eight ERA, one point one WHIP through eighteen starts this season. It was an all star. You, know you know what I just realized is uh, Michael Lorenzen was one of the top outfielders in the country in college. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was so I think it's so weird. I think he finished second in Golden Spikes. It's pretty cool. Like He's also fucking jacked. Apparently, a lot of people online are saying he he like would have been like if he came into the league today, he would have been a two-way player. Probably would have been, but he came in the league what seven years ago. So, yeah, around there, too late. Exactly. Uh, moving on, another another interesting one here that uh, Zach and I Zach and I talked about uh, 
this team, whether they were going to be buying or selling. Padres. Padres, Zach. This is weird. This is weird. Padres got Garrett Cooper and Scott Barlow. Uh, Really, really weird. Really weird trade. I don't understand it. Sorry? How about the other one? They also got Rich Rich Hill Hill. and G-Man Choi. Yeah. What the hell? What are they doing? Sell. Sell something. You're like, yes. Okay. They're four and now a half. Now they're going back. all in. Now they're going but all like, in. Not, but not they're not. But they're not. That's like that's what I have a problem with. Is like if you're going to go all in, like if AJ Preller is going to go all in and be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm I'm trading whoever. Then get someone. They got Rich Hill, who's 42 and has been on 85 different MLB teams, and G Man Choi, who's been shit. Yeah. Like they, they, this. This helps them. In no way. G-Man Choi, first baseman. Jake Cronenworth's been playing first base. He's had a bad season. But he's not that much worse than G-Man Choi. G-Man Choi fucking sucks. G-Man Choi is, 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 uh, is not great, no. And they got Garrett Cooper, who also plays first base. So what are they doing? I don't understand what they're doing. It seemed to me... Like it, it was another. It's just like what I said with the Phillies. It seemed to me that they were like, "Oh, everybody else is making moves. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do?" And they were just like, "Oh, everybody gets Rich Hill when they want to try to make a playoff push, so they got Rich Hill." I, I don't get it. If you were gonna spy, buy. If you're if you're not, then don't. I almost would prefer that they sat still. Yeah. This is uh this is this is a really interesting trade. I don't understand why the Padres are buyers. There were so a lot there was so so much talk that they were going to be sellers of the deadline and now this comes into play. Doesn't really make too much sense, but hey, it's it's like at this rate might as well go for it. Yeah, like I I understand. Like I I completely would understand if they were going for it because they're what, like four and a half, five back right now. That's that's yeah, not that big. That's that's not that that big of a deficit that they can't overcome. They can absolutely overcome that. Especially you know we talked about it last episode. The teams that are above them are not that great and not really playing that great. So like that deficit, they could definitely overcome. But again, if you're gonna fucking buy, then buy. Don't go get Rich Hill to eat innings for you when you have a million pitchers already. Like you have a top four, what do you like? I just don't get it. Yeah, it is uh, very interesting trade. I, I mean, it kind of left me speechless as it does now. I just don't understand it. I can't really provide any commentary over it because I don't think it's what they should. It's what they should have done. But I don't also don't think it really makes them that much better of a team. I just think it just they're deeper now. So yeah, w- whatever. Um, can we go back for a second? Yeah, sure. Because we talked about the Verlander trade, but we really, you, we, we really only talked about the Mets side of it. I want to talk about the Astros side of it. Okay, yeah, let's talk about the Astros side of it. The Astros uh, got back their Cy Young winner from last year. They needed this. They, they needed, needed this so bad because they weren't going anywhere with the rotation that they've been putting out there. Obviously, Framber just threw a no hitter, ninety three pitches. Uh, that was an absolute masterclass. Every every at bat was a ground ball, pretty much. That was amazing, and they can count on Framber. He's been there before, and he's good. But outside of Framber, they've had no one this year. Arquidi's down with an injury. I don't think Lance McCullers is ever going to pitch again. Uh, Luis Garcia's hurt. 
Christian Javier doesn't look like the same guy he was last year. And Hunter Brown's been all right, but he's a rookie, really starting a rookie game two of of the ALCS. You're not. You you can't do that. So they needed someone at the top of this uh, top of this rotation. And getting back a guy that everybody knows, a guy who when he was traded texted Martin Maldonado and said, let's fucking go. This guy's hyped to get back to Houston. I'm happy that he's going back to Houston. I hope he didn't sell his house because he's back. I think he will retire a Houston Astro. He will go in the Hall of Fame with an Astros hat on. And he is the key piece that they needed to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. This is um, this was a big move for them. And to make to make the situation even better for them, literally the icing on the cake, Framer Valdez throwing a no-hitter on the day. The Astros reacquire uh, Verlander. It's... Uh, it's a good time to be an Astros fan, I guess. It is. It was. It was seriously. It was looking really bad for them because after the whole Jose Abreu thing, when like he came over and he's just not been good at all. They needed. They really needed something to go their way because, and we all thought that the rotation wouldn't skip a beat after Ver- Verlander leaving. I remember when Verlander left, we all like I, I especially was big on. I was like. This Astros rotation, it doesn't matter because we thought Hunter Brown was just going to slide right in for Verlander and it was going to be all okay. Well, not everybody's looking the same as last year. They're getting big innings from like J.P. Sears. Who is that? That's terrible. They needed Verlander. They got Verlander. And I think this now puts the Astros on the level of those top teams in the AL. They needed the pitching. And if they just get a little bit healthier, they're definitely still one of the teams to beat in the AL. Yeah, they're definitely one of the better teams in the AL right now. I still think Texas is better than them in terms of talent. I would take them in a in a series over the Astros, but the Astros are definitely a scary team once again. The only thing I'm worried about with Texas right now is Nathan Eovaldi going down with that injury. I, I, I've seen Nathan Eovaldi go down with injuries before, and – Forearm tightness and soreness with Nathan Eovaldi is is never, ever a good thing. That means he's throwing too hard and he's getting gassed out. I've seen it before, and he very well could be done for a while. That's the only thing that worries me with Texas, but I agree with you. I think they're the better team right now. Yeah, 100%. I totally think they're the better team. and But like I, I, I still think that arguments could be made that they're beatable in a set like the, you you could make the arguments that there are rosters in seven game series that you would rather take 100% i honestly think besides atlanta everything else is up for grabs i think every other team is very very beatable yeah i think every team is beatable except the the Braves the Braves don't lose the Braves actually don't lose they're not and they're getting freed back this weekend they like I'm being serious. Like the Braves don't lose. They don't. They they literally don't lose. They're going to hit the most wanna, home runs I, in the I, season. Someone needs to. Someone needs to. Uh, someone someone really really needs to to do the um, the win loss from the from the All Star break last year of the Braves. It's probably insane. It's probably insane. They don't lose, Chris. They don't lose. They literally don't. They're so good. I don't 
even understand how good they are. They're so good. They didn't even need to add any. They they got, I think, a one bullpen arm because they just didn't need anything. They're that good. They do. Imagine your organization is that good where you look around and you're like, we have no holes. We don't need anything. We're good. So sick. Fucking suck. Um, Their biggest hole is like Eddie Rosario. Yeah. Jesus Christ. He went off in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, moving on, moving on from uh, from the Braves. I don't want to talk about the Braves anymore. Uh, but let's stick in the the NL East. Marlins acquired Josh Bell from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for Gene Segura and infielder prospect Khalil Watson. This is poop. This is poop for poop. Yeah, uh, I Gene Segura. Came I, to the Cleveland only reason and... I understand this trade is is they probably want more pop in the lineup. That's yeah, I mean. Gene Segura was doing nothing for Miami. He was uh, at the bottom of all of baseball this year with Tim Anderson and Kike Hernandez. He was down there. He immediately got DFA'd by Cleveland. And Miami need pop in their lineup. Josh Bell's had a horrible season, and he's been terrible. Cleveland just, when they traded Aaron Savali, they got a great prospect, Kyle Manzardo, who's a first baseman, and he will come up probably next year to play first base. They had no use for Josh Bell. So they dump him. I'm absolutely fine with that if I'm Cleveland. Khalil Watson is an infielding prospect. There's not much there. I, I tried to look up anything, and there's just like not much there. He's a bat-to-ball guy, okay glove. But this is to me, this is shit for shit. The one that I don't understand with Miami is them giving up Jake Eater for Jake Berger. Jake Eater is one of their best pitching prospects who's had a great year and who has only gotten better year over year. And they trade him for Jake Berger from the White Sox, who has ruptured his Achilles twice in the last three years. And this is his first game playing over, this is his first season playing over like 65 games. And he's got 25 home runs, but he can't do anything besides hit home runs. That I just don't understand. Miami, I, I like that they're pushing and they're trying to get better. Like, I love that for Miami because. It's such a shit organization. After selling off the the great teams of Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna and all those guys, after selling off those whole teams, Miami went into a fucking dark black hole, and it's good to see them actually pushing for something. But I don't really know if the moves they made were the right ones. Yeah, I don't think the moves they made were were really season-changing for them. I thought it probably rounded out the roster a little better. I just don't think it's enough for where like now you look at them and you're saying, okay, this team is building up for a playoff push. I just think it rounds out the roster a little nicer and a little cleaner than it was before, but it doesn't really change my opinion on the Marlins. It's like if they sneak in, they sneak in, but I wouldn't, I I don't expect them to be in. Yeah, exactly. Me too. It's just like they haven't really changed. I like they're, I, like they, they, if this was buying for them, it was a massive failure. Yeah, and I I really don't think they were trying to super buy because it's the Marlins and like they don't do that. But like I said, I, I like that they're going after it. I like that they're trying to make some moves and they're trying to get better. But I'm with you. I don't really see the Marlins making a push. I expect them to fall out of contention and. But they still yeah. have a good season. Still have, still have a great season going. So, not gonna not gonna knock down the the uh, the Marlins season that they got going. 
Uh, so let's let's keep it moving here. Let's go to the uh, the Orioles. Jack Flaherty going to the to the Orioles from the Cardinals. Uh, not sure who the return was. Still listed as unknown. Probably uh, it's a uh, three prospects. Okay. Uh, in- interesting, interesting trade for the Orioles. I thought they probably could have went after a little bit of a better, um, starter. Flaherty is kind of dicey. Four, four, three ERA over twenty starts. This is like this is just like I think it's, Orioles, I think this Orioles is just, thing. I think I think this is just for the Orioles. Like they they need a guy who can eat a bunch of innings and stay healthy and make consistent starts every five days. Yeah, and that, and that's all fine and good, but. At what point are you like the Orioles just piss me the fuck off because at what point are you gonna do something and make a fucking move? Yeah, you got a starting pitcher, you needed a starting pitcher. But what about Verlander? What about Scherzer? What about all these pitchers that went? You didn't try any of them, maybe, because we all know that they can outbid every single other team in the league. So what the fuck? Do they see something in Jack Flaherty? Because this is a guy who does nothing besides walk people. And like the first month of the season, he had a no hitter through seven innings with eight walks. That's fucking te- like he just and has not figured it out, has voiced his concerns about Wilson Contreras behind the plate. It says that he fucking hates him back there. Thank God he's out of St. Louis. But unless he finds something in his has a career resurgence in Baltimore and shows back to that, like, I think it was 2021 Jack Flaherty when he was hovering around like a two eight and just blowing the ball by guys, unless he figures that out in Baltimore, this is just another shitty move for Baltimore getting another guy who, you know, will go out there, throw six innings, a three run, four run ball, and maybe have a blow up start here and there. It's just not what they like. They needed a pitcher. Yes, but they needed one that was a lot better than this. And there was a lot out there on the market that they could have got. Yeah, there was. I mean, Dylan Cease. I, I'm like, I really want somebody would come out with a tweet that so 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 and so team offered this for Cease, and the White Sox said no because I want to know what they were offering because I feel like it, like this was a seller's market. Like the, so many teams were overpaying, so I would expect I expected a team to overpay for. A Dylan Cease. I don't. Chicago sat on him. I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I honestly think somebody might go and try to trade for him in the winter, and just so they like they have more time to work it out and stuff like that. But I don't know how they sit on Cease. I don't. I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get how they sit on Cease either, especially with like. The, I don't know. I just would have made a run at somebody, and they obviously didn't do that. So. Uh, Orioles have to stick with the squad that they're running with through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. So only time will tell how the the inactivity at the deadline holds for them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Yankees, I, uh, sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Yankees acquired Kenyon Middleton, uh, relief pitcher with a 3.96 ERA, 1.35 whip for the White Sox. Uh very underwhelming deadline for the Very Yankees nice. by buying or selling. Uh, they clearly bought, but not really, and they definitely didn't sell. Uh, so nice. don't really know where this puts the Yankees for the remainder of the season. Fart noise. This is yeah, the, this is probably the worst, probably the worst deadline of of any team. 
Probably the worst deadline in Yankees history. This was terrible. This is a team that's playing terrible ball, and we've seen them play terrible baseball all year. We've seen the holes, and they are the New York Yankees. They should be trading for big-time players to help the lineup. If Chris... Teams get yes. right, right. Teams get split up into three categories. You have position players, you have starting pitchers, and you have relievers. They do of those three. Which one for the Yankees? If I, if I was to ask you which one do they need to improve the least, what would you have said? Got relievers. Yeah, relievers. They have the number one bullpen in the fucking major leagues, and they made one move for a bullpen piece. Yep. That's that's just horrific. Brian Cashman, I, I, I can't believe the guy has a job. It doesn't make any sense to me that he still has a job because this is terrible. You're the New York Yankees, and this is what you're doing? Yeah, seriously, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean – it's just not a good deadline for them at all. Everyone had made a move before, what was it, July 30th, July 31st, except for the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees, oh my God. I don't understand how you see the organization that you work for, how you look at the team that's on the field and you say, yeah, let's add one reliever and that's it. And then let's stop. Like if you were gonna do nothing, sell. I have been spewing nonstop this year that the Yankees should sell, should have sold Glaber Torres all year, because it's just not working. You can't, you can't just keep throwing the same lineups out, out there all like every year, year after year after year, the same fucking guys in this stupid shit sack of a lineup, and expect anything to be different. Yeah, it's you're just like it doesn't make any sense. What do they say? It's like doing something over and over again with the same results. The definition of insanity. And the Yankees yeah. are going back, going back to the well with this team, where they damn well know it's not a competitive team. It's just not, and it won't be. It, it never will be. So this has Even to be the it, last year for Cashman. Then I, I hope so for Yankee fans. For a Red Sox fan like myself, I hope he stays there forever. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you want to? Do you want to know uh, who had the second most disappointing deadline? Boston Red Sox. You're darn fucking right, there, Chris. It was the fucking shitty ass, dumb ass, idiot, stupid, fucking idiot, dumb, stupid. Red Sox. Dumb, They're so dumb. Idiot. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. What is the point? What's the point of coming out before the deadline and saying that you're going to do this, this, and this, and then not doing shit? What's the point? There's no point. Then don't say anything. Don't make these promises and just not follow through. Heim Bloom said we're looking for starting pitching, and I think we want to get a reliever. Blah, blah, blah. Our whole thing, every single person in the entire universe was saying the Boston Red Sox need a starting pitcher at the deadline. What did they do? They got fucking Luis Arias. The one thing they didn't need was more middle infielders, and they got another middle infielder who is no better 
than the ones that we have that sit the fucking bench. He's going to play second base. He fucking sucks. And I hate my life because I completely understand there is nothing wrong with punting on a season. I get punting on a season. It happens. It's the MLB. It's, it's all right. It happens. But if we're like, if you're assessing this team and you say this team definitely doesn't have a chance, so we're not going to super add, why the fuck is James Paxson still on the Red Sox? And why the fuck is Adam Duvall still on the Red Sox? Because you're telling me the Dodgers had a trade in place for Eduardo Rodriguez. And when he said no, you're telling me that they weren't calling around looking for another pitcher? They clearly wanted a left handed pitcher. James Paxson is the second best left handed pitcher on the market. Outside of Eduardo Rodriguez, he said no. You're telling me they didn't call Boston? And even if they did, how does Heim Bloom not call them and say, hey, you want Paxton? They would have overpaid. There was two minutes left. Yeah, there there, there should have been something. They, they should, the Red Sox should have done something. It doesn't make any sense. They essentially were in the same predicament as the Yankees where it was like, do we do we be buyers? Do we be sellers? But obviously, with the Red Sox, you're not too far out of a wild card. So it's no. like you should you should be buyers. Exactly. But with like this, that, that... it leaves you in the same position post deadline as the Yankees, where it's like you're kind of in limbo here. You didn't buy really. You didn't really sell. So it's kind of like yeah, we're going with the same roster at this rate. But is it? <laughs> it's, it's was it? I think a lot of a lot of these teams are going to look back and say and say to themselves, we should have bought at the deadline instead of just sitting on our ass. Yeah, I think so too. And look, like I'm not naive. Like I, I get that, that sometimes we need to just not do anything. Like I, I get that sometimes we need to sell and we're not going to go out there every trade deadline and, and trade for the best guy in the market. I'm not saying they needed to do that. And the whole thing about the Red Sox this year has been, this is not the year. This is a bridge year. We're bridging to the to the next, you know, the next coming of prospects and the next decade of Red Sox baseball. And and I get that. That's perfectly fine. We we signed a bunch of guys to one year deals to just get us through the year. And they said from the beginning of the year the goal was to be competitive. That's great. That's all fine. That's all fine and dandy. If you want to be competitive, we are competitive right now. So then why are we not selling? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me if the goal was to be competitive and that's it. We are competitive right now. Sell Paxton, sell Duvall, and then you have all the guys coming back from injury to fill out your rotation. It just it, it frustrates the shit out of me that Adam Duvall is still on this team and that Jaron Duran is not getting everyday reps in center field. I don't think they're in love with his center field defense, but I don't give a fuck. I don't care. He has a top 10 OPS in the league since the All-Star break. He needs to be in the lineup every day. It doesn't make any sense why we're starting Adam Duvall, who is only batting over 200 because he bat 450 over the first two weeks, and he's played like 50 games. Yeah. It just pisses me it, off. I don't get it. It's not a It's not a sustainable model, and I think the Red Sox should have been buyers, but obviously they didn't. I think that I think they should have bought because of one thing and one thing only, and that's that they are the Boston Red Sox. They should never be this underdog. Oh, farm system bullshit. We can't spend with luxury tax. No, we're the fucking Boston Red Sox. 
that's like the Yankees saying we're punting this year. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna trade everyone and then rebuild. No, you don't do that. Heim Bloom came out a couple of days ago and he said the Red Sox are underdogs. I've never seen Red Sox Twitter so pissed in my life. Because we shouldn't be underdogs. We're the fucking Boston Red Sox. 100%. Totally agree. Sometimes, you guys should be buyers. You should be buyers and contenders every single year. That should be the every standard. Si- every single year. And if you're going to do something and you say you're going to do it, fucking do it, do Heim. It. Exactly. Do, do it. it. Do because it. he doesn't do shit. And we got him. I understand the hype. He was this. Everybody was like, oh, we're getting this young fucking guru, such a numbers guy and this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all fine and good. But he hasn't done anything besides trade away my favorite player, lose my other favorite player in free agency, and give me bullshit. It's a tough, tough world, man. It really is. And... As, just right when I wild thought they were going to get really good and squeak into the wild card, they start sucking. Tough scene. You know, it really – it's just like I fucking hate this stupid game, and I hate mostly that I hate – that I love it so much. Yeah. Drives is crazy. Drives fucking is crazy. so annoying. <laughs> the most annoying thing is like getting to this part of the season because right after the deadline is pretty much when you're like – all right, am I going to get super into it right now or am I going to back off and probably watch like 20 more games because it's useless baseball? Because like last year, the Red Sox were so bad. So the last like the last half of the season, I was like, there's no even point of me watching this. They're just playing to play. They're just playing for money now. Yeah, they're just playing to stay on the team for next year. Yeah, it's it's and it's just terrible and it's just sad to watch because you're just not playing for anything. At least right now I have a little hope. I'm like, you know, could get in that wild card, never know. But, like, I feel for you. The rest of your year is going to be Yeah, I'm just going to check tough. out mentally for a lot of the, the year. So It's okay. We won't talk about the Mets ever again. No, we could talk about them. Ryan Clifford, the one of the prospects in the uh, Verlander deal, first at bat tonight, home run. I like that. Where'd like they go, that. double? Sorry? Where'd they go, double? I think so, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, Drew Gilbert was, I'm pretty sure, the number one prospect for the Astros. Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think it was one in four. So that's good. I really like that return. Yeah, it was a really good return. So, uh, yeah. I don't think there was it. anything else, just a bunch of, uh, bunch of uh, yeah. shitty moves. Austin yeah. Hedges. Got moved again, still in the league. I don't AJ know how. Pollock, Giants, weird. Yeah, that was weird. And AJ Pollock, Andrew Chafin to the fucking. He Brewers. likes beer. That's what he said when he got traded to the Brewers. Did they have a lot of beer there? I likes it. He does like beer. I mean, he looks like a guy who definitely he likes looks beer. Like a guy. That guy doesn't drink. There's not a white claw in sight. No, no, definitely not. So, uh, yeah. Exciting stuff, dude. Exciting deadline. You know what I think it's time for? What? Should we do a little roulette? Oh, dude, we got to do fucking roulette. I'm Let's itching go. for it. I'm not going to lie. All right, all right, all right. All right. Should I do it? spins last episode? We're not doing that many again. Right, we're definitely doing more than one, though. We're so Maybe. Unless I hit it. What if I hit? 
Then we stop. Then we actually then we do five more. If we hit, then it's an auto five. Let's see if I have any money. Oh, yep, I do. Uh twelve, and I'm gonna run to Pequick. This kid just has the worst bladder in the fucking world. It yeah. really doesn't make any sense. What do you say, twelve? <clears throat> yeah. What do you want, Jake? I don't know. I think I'm gonna go. 36 today. 36? Oh, we got to wait for the next spin. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm feeling like something crazy. Crazy, you say? Yeah, like a, I don't know, like a nine. Yeah, right? I don't know. Dude, I'm scared. It was just 22. And then before that, it was 34. Of course it was. I'm I'm (coughs) switching 22. Switch to 22. Can you? You go on 22? Yep. Back to back. Okay. I'm taking 36 then. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to. I have to. Yeah, no, you do. You do have to. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Come on. 22 Spin that fucking shit. Spin it's it. It's just as likely as any other number. It's true. Here we go, baby. Come on. Give me something. 25. Oh, I was 20. 35, actually. 35. Oh. All right, one more numbers. Here we go. Here we go. 22. Dawes? 17. 17? I'm going to go with two. Here we go. Here we go. And we have three twos out there. We I'm feeling two. really good about the two. I'm feeling – I don't know why – but my thumb just gradually it was like a magnet right to the two. Okay. Come on. Come on, two. Ooh, two is right next to the zero. I don't <gasps> thirty-two. It just danced around the two for a little bit though. It danced. And it teased. Alright, last one, last one. Seriously, yes. this is last. this is it. Last okay. one, last one, last eleven. one. Five. Eleven. Eleven, eleven. Five. I'm going to go with uh, 20, 25, 25, 25. That already hit, I think. No, 35 did. No. All right, this is seriously the last one. I'm not doing another one after this. <laughs> Here we go. Surely we're due. I fucking hate this. Remember when you were like, oh, let's all pick our own number. It'll go faster. <laughs> <coughs> We already do have one hit. 11! 11! <laughs> yeah! yeah. Dude, I'm, am I the only one to hit it? Yeah, you I've hit it twice one. now. Dude, what the fuck? Am I him? Yo, am I tough? Are you him? Yo, are you him? I think you might be. Capital H. <clears throat> might be frozen, unless that's me. Yeah, I think he's frozen too. I'm back. Okay. If you say so. All right, I mean, that's going to do it for the show. So, I mean, we don't really need him to end the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love you. See you next week. Have a good weekend. Drink a beer. Deuces. <laughs>